0: Hi, welcome to Northview Community Church. My name is Jeff Bucknam, I'm the lead pastor here, and it is great to have you join us. There are people from all over the place joining us today. I wanna to say a special welcome to our different campuses, uh, our Mission Campus, our East Abbotsford Campus. We also wanna say hello to uh, our Downs Road Campus and uh, Real Life Community Churches is joining us from Surrey. I know that this is going f- to some of our missionaries and others, wherever you're watching from, it is great to have you join us together today. A few things I need to let you know before we get started. First, uh, we have a children's video that most people don't know about, in fact. It's on our our website, on the front page of our website. You can access it. It's a separate video from, from this one, and so if you have children in the house, you can access that and have a special word from our pastors to them. Also, while you're watching this, this video, if you can use the, 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 the idea of hashtag NorthviewTV, and you can post that on social media, it would be fantastic. We'd love to see where people are watching this from. I love to see the different jammy pants that people are wearing. I love to see your kids dancing or whatever it is that they're doing while the music happens. Uh, It's just great to be able to see where we're all engaging this from. We ought to stay connected through the week as well. And so we're putting together a lot of different things. We have some blogs and uh, podcasts going on our website. You can just access all of that at northview.org. I also do a live Instagram uh, update Every evening from Monday to Thursday at 8.30 on Instagram Live, I interview people who are doctors, uh, uh, financial experts, Christians, other people who are trying to make sense of all of this COVID-19 crisis. Um, We usually get quite a few people watching, and then you can watch that after the fact on our website or through Instagram, our Instagram feed as well. So here's what you can expect today in the next few minutes. Uh, we're going to s- spend some time in worship with uh, our good friends Nate Bosch and Kendra Giesbrecht. We're going to hear a short message from Greg Harris, one of our campus pastors at our East Abbotsford campus. We're going to spend some time in prayer. And uh, I think the best thing to do now is probably just throw it to the, to the music, guys. Let's get started.
1: Let me out of the desert me into his streams River of living water Turn my bitter into sweet All my burdens are lifted
2: Took the shackles off my feet There's no sound louder than The captive
1: set free So let the redeemed of the Lord Say so you mm-hmm. promises and Galatians 2 verse 20, Paul writes, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me.
0: Normally, when we gather as a church, we have an opportunity to take uh, an offering together. Either you drop uh, a gift at the back of the auditorium in a box or there's a plate that's passed or something like that. We can't do that now, of course. So we're really trusting the generosity of our people to remember that the church still is functioning and trying to make a difference in the world even if it's through a different means. So if you're uh, new to giving, there's a text to give. Line that you can, you can contact. It's very easy to do. You can actually go on our website as well and make an e-transfer or something. I know that it's a very difficult time. Uh, the church is facing the same financial difficulties that everybody else is, and we're having to make some really hard decisions, just like most other businesses are making these days. Uh, we just want to commend to you uh, the spirit of generosity. We we'll ask you to continue to be faithful to the Lord through your giving. I was reminded this week of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, where Paul commends the Macedonian church, to the Corinthians. He says, the Macedonians were remarkable because out of their poverty, they overflowed in rich generosity. And uh, this is a time for us to actually demonstrate that same kind of thing, whether it's to the local church or to other ministries around the world that are trying to do their ministries even in the midst of a great deal of sorrow and hardship. So uh, we just commend that to you, ask you for your generosity, and we're thankful to the Lord for how he is providing both for us and for, for you in this difficult time. We want to spend some time now going and studying the Word of God. We want to throw it to Greg. We're going to be studying uh, out of 2 Kings, our our last sermon in our series on Elisha. So let's join Greg now. Grab your Bibles.
3: The past few weeks have felt like years. I'm sure for uh, many of us, we are in a season of asking all kinds of big questions about what's going to happen to our our loved ones who are vulnerable? What's going to happen to our businesses? What's going to happen to the economy? What's going to happen to my health? What What is going to happen with all of this COVID-19 pandemic? That all those questions are, are things that I've been walking through in these past few weeks. Uh, just over two weeks ago, uh, one of our, our, our friends was diagnosed with COVID-19. Uh, they had to spend time in hospital. Actually, thankfully they're 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 supposed to come out very soon and go home. Uh, My wife was actually exposed to this person who was uh, positive for COVID-19, and so she had to spend almost two full weeks in quarantine away from our family until her swab results came back negative and she could come back home. While she was away in quarantine, the, the, the kids were unsettled and wondering where mom was, and and in discontent, and I I was in that state too. And even now, as we look forward to the future, even though our our friend is recovering and Sarah's back home, we we live as a family with the reality that our, our son is medically fragile. And so as we're trying to figure out what, COVID-19 is going to do on a global scale, we as as a little crew are trying to also think through what is this going to look like in terms of how can we best protect our son moving forward until things like vaccinations and treatments become more readily available. And so there are lots of reasons for us to feel weighed down by burden in this season, weighed down by, by worry and by stress and By anxiety and fear. And God's word speaks into a situation like this with all of the big scary unknowns. So we're wrapping up our sermon series looking at the prophet Elisha, and we're going to be looking at 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 8 through 23. And what we're going to see here in this passage is that we don't need to be afraid. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at the passage, and then we're going to talk about what it means to not be afraid in this season. So open your Bibles with me. Let's look at the story, 2 Kings chapter 6, starting verse 8. Now, the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officials, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. The man of God, Elisha, sent word to the king of Israel, beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. And time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? None of us my lord, the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. So that there's a conflict going on between the people of Israel and uh, the, the kingdom of Aram. And so what we have is, is this this conflict that was lying kind of dormant for a long time is actually now starting to come to the forefront. And, and what was uh, a kind of agreed upon truce for a bit has now become a full out war and the king of aram is trying to to attack the king of israel and and his armies so what's what's being taken place here is that the, the king of aram is making his plans he's saying we're going to lay a trap here so we can capture israel but elisha receiving revelation from the lord it knows what what's being said by the king in kind of the secret quarters of his household when he's making his military plans and so Elisha's kind of like giving the heads up to the to the king of Israel and to the Israelite army to say okay well, don't, don't don't go that way because they're going to they're going to pounce on you if you go there Oh, don't go that way and this kind of cat and mouse game is is playing out time and time again. It's actually kind of a humorous story, right? Because if you're watching this as a movie, the, the, the Aramean army is all ready to go. And then for whatever reason, they see that the king of Israel come and, and take a left instead of go straight. And, and they're all trying to figure out what who's actually the, the double agent here who is, who's, who's tipping off our plans, And the the Aramean officers say, look, it's it's not any of us. We're on your side. But for whatever reason, this Elisha guy sure seems to be locked into what's going on. So the king of Aram is furious. He's not able to trap Israel because of Elisha's special knowledge. So verse 13, go find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back. He's in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They they went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up, he went out early the next morning. An army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord. What shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid. The prophet answered. Those who are with us, Are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So the king of Aram tracks down where Elisha's at. He finds out that he's in this place called Dothan. So he sends this, this huge horde of people, uh, horses and chariots and this big strong force to go to Dothan, that they would surround the city completely. They are ready to attack. They're ready to engage. And Elisha's servant wakes up early one morning, presses brew on the coffee machine, rubs the sleep out of his eyes and looks outside his window and sees torches held by these these warriors who are in their chariots and on their horses. And he looks and they are on their way to get them. The, The intimidation factor of that, right? You look out your window one morning and you expect to see the beautiful rolling hills. But on those beautiful rolling hills is this massive enemy poised to attack. The fear grips Elisha's servant as he looks at the scene and he realizes he has no idea what he's supposed to do in this kind of situation. And he cries out in fear, oh no, what shall we do? See that even though the scene around him seemed insurmountable, Elisha responds to his servant by saying, look, you don't need to be afraid. Even though everything on the hills is telling you to be afraid because of the horses and the chariots and the massive army, Elisha says, don't be afraid because I want your eyes to be open to what the Lord is actually doing here. So Elisha prays. He says, Lord, would you open up his eyes? The servant's eyes are opened up to the spiritual realities underneath the material reality, Right? Which is a good lesson for all of us because I think a lot of us don't actually think of the spiritual reality underneath the material reality. But the, the servant's eyes were opened up and he realized that the army of, of chariots and horses of fire, the angel army of the Lord, was way bigger and stronger than the Aramean army. His eyes were opened up to the reality that God was still in control. He was close. He was Present, he was on the move, even in the midst of the great fear. See, at that moment, Elisha's servant didn't really know how this whole scene was going to play out. But he did know that the Lord was near. The passage actually continues on all the way through verse 23 with the description of how the Lord actually delivers Israel from the scene. It's a pretty funny scene, What what ends up happening is uh, Elisha goes out to the army and uh, he prays for the, the Lord to, to strike them blind, to kind of put them in this dazed state, so that instead of seeing where they are, they actually keep traveling. They end up going out into a, a different region than where Israel was at the time, and, and they look around them, and they realize we are nowhere near Israel, right? It's the moment where the, the map app on their phone would have said, you have to do a U-turn because Israel is actually the other way. Go back to Dothan. But the Lord delivered them through this this miraculous work of having their eyes blinded. And then they they prepare a feast for the the army and it kind of de-escalates the whole situation. The army goes back to where they came from. Israel remains safe and the Lord delivered his people through a miraculous act. But what I want to focus our attention on is this interaction actually between Elisha's servant and Elisha. Because what we see in this scene is that God's word tells us that in the face of the army that is poised to attack, even though everything in us instinctually wants to have fear and anxiety, the Lord says to us through his word, don't be afraid. Verse 15, the servant, the man of God, went up out early the next morning, an army of horses and chariots had surrounded the city, and he said, oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? It's natural that the servant would have responded in this way, right? The army's there. There doesn't seem to be any way out of this situation. The coffee is going on in the background, and he's having all these thoughts race through his mind about what he thought his future was going to look like, and now what his future seems it's going to be with this army on the brink of attacking. It's, it's natural that his instinct in that moment was to worry was to fear was to ask the question what shall we do and the reality for us is that we are facing a very real danger many of us maybe maybe we're medically fragile to where COVID 19 could attack maybe a loved one is maybe it's impacted our our business in significant ways maybe Maybe, 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 I'll fill in the blank, there are so many things that are, are facing us as people in the midst of this very real danger, and it's natural for us to respond with worry. But we're, we're in the midst of the difficult situation, that there are our health implications happening, there are relational implications, loneliness is setting in for so many of us. There are are dysfunctional families that because of the, the social isolation and staying in their homes, the dysfunction of their families is just being exponentially heightened. There's economic implications. We we don't know what our economy will look like in, in two months, in six months, in two years, in, in ten years. The rhythms of our life have been interrupted. We have had birthday parties canceled. We've had funerals that have had to happen through through digital means. We've had weddings be canceled or or vastly uh, cut back from what they had planned. Church itself is, is restricted in so many ways. We can't actually gather physically together. The rhythms of our life have been interrupted. That there's, there's also mental health implications to all of this. Those of us who struggle with anxiety and with depression and with all kinds of mental health issues are, are feeling the weight of this season in a fresh and, and unique and troubling way. There, there is a lot on the hills poised to attack us, that would naturally cause us to be worried. And we ask people around us, what are we going to do? And this is where God's word comes in with a sweetness and a freshness, where Elisha says, God says to us, don't be afraid. How is it that Elisha can say in the midst of that scene that we ought not be afraid Well, we find it in verse 17, Elisha prayed, opened his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. See, Elisha could confidently assure his servant not to be afraid in this trial and trouble because Elisha knew the reality of the mighty army of God that was behind him, ready to protect him. The only way you can respond to the pending attack coming to disrupt everything about your life with, with not being afraid is when you realize that God is already on the scene at work. He's already present. He's already involved. Elisha has his, his comfort in the situation rooted in the reality that God is still comfortably on his throne. He's not phased by what's on the hills. He's in control of the situation. And look, we know in the story that the Lord delivered the people of Israel through this miraculous way of blinding the, the Aramean army and delivering the people of Israel, but we are in the moment of the story where we don't yet know how God is going to get us through this situation with all of our fears and anxieties and worries. But we need the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to the reality that God is here. He is working. And his power and strength is greater than the power and strength that is opposing us. You see, there's a reason we don't need to be afraid. I'm actually convinced that the, the response of that servant, when he saw the armies and the chariots and the horses of fire behind him, the, the Lord's presence behind them, I think he would have looked at that scene and he probably would have cracked a smile. Not because the attack on the hills was any less real or any less threatening, but he cracked a smile because he knew that God was behind him. God was going to see them through this. So look, friends and fellow warriors and everyone who's asking what shall we do? I'm praying that the Lord would open our eyes to the reality that God is close. That yeah, we we have very real troubles that are facing us. Very real causes for us to feel anxiety. And yet, God is close to us and he's in control. Uh, Peter was the name of one of Jesus' closest disciples. His story is intriguing because Peter, uh, you know, around the time of when Jesus was going to be crucified, even though he had such boldness and, and brashness in his following of Jesus and promised to be all kinds of faithful. He actually slipped away and deserted Jesus in some of those final moments before his crucifixion. And he abandoned this Jesus, who he claimed to follow and love. Yet later, when Jesus uh, came back in resurrection power and Peter saw him, and, and he saw that this Jesus was who he said he claimed to be, Peter ended up giving his entire life to to making much of this Jesus, to preaching the good news of who he is, to pointing people to him. He actually wrote some of the New Testament letters that we have. And in one of those New Testament letters, this former runaway disciple who came back and gave everything to his Lord and Savior wrote these words. In 1 Peter 5, verse 7, he said, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. You see Peter knew that in the face of the armies on the hills approaching you that he served and followed a God who is stronger than the armies. So even though the anxiety comes up in us when we think about the future, when we think about the what-ifs, when we wonder what shall we do, Peter's instruction to us, God's instruction to us, is to cast those anxieties when they come up into our heart and into our mind to cast them on to the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who cares for us, who is strong, who is sitting comfortably on his throne, who will return again to make all things new, who is going to find a way to be victorious over even this situation. We cast our anxieties on him because he cares for us. These past uh, few weeks when, when Sarah, my wife, was in uh, quarantine and she was isolated from our family and I was home alone with the kids, my, my two-year-old daughter had an especially hard time with this, right? Because as a two-year-old, there are things that happen in your life that are, are really uh, uncomfortable. They're, they're really troublesome. She would wake up in the nights and she would be crying out for her mom and then I'd come in, and I'd try to soothe her, but she only wanted mom. She, she would stub her toe or, or hurt herself somehow during the day. Something would, would, I don't know, hit her or whatever, her brother or something, and her response would be to call out for her mom. And mom couldn't be there right in that moment. Anytime I said no to her, her response was, I'm going to call mom. Me call mommy. Because she's like, mom's the one who's going to actually solve this situation. You know, when when my wife actually came back from quarantine, what was so interesting was that all of those prior troubles that my daughter was going through, waking up in the night, stubbing her toes, me telling her no, they were all still there. But now mom was with her. See, when she went into the arms of her mom, she had those troubles Float away from her, the anxiety, the sorrow that she felt, the problem wasn't necessarily solved yet, but she was more at peace because she was casting her anxieties on her mom. See, the, the whole time my wife was away, I kept reminding my daughter, look, mommy will be home soon. Mommy's going to be home soon. Eventually, I started believing this too, right? I'm like, hey, Sarah's going to come back and all things will be better. She came back and, and lots of things got better and easier for sure. But what didn't get easier and better was my own weight of worry and anxiety over the situations that were facing us. Over the state of my friends who have lost jobs, the weight of my worries were still there. Over uh, the future of my son's health, the weight of those worries were still there. The stresses, the, the anxieties. I ended up buying into the idea that as long as I had my spouse beside me, my worries and anxieties would float away. But the reality is, is I was casting my anxieties on the wrong person. Because for a two-year-old, the one who can console their soul is their mom. But as we grow up, we realize that there is no one else that can console us in our deepest moments of need than God himself. So I've had to preach this sermon to myself all week that I, when those anxieties rise up, when I look at the hills and I see the armies poised to attack, my response is what shall we do? But instead, my response should be to not be afraid. Because God is real. He is close. He's in control. So we can cast our anxieties on him because he cares for us even if we don't know how the situation will be solved. So look, if you are a fellow worrier, you need to cast your anxieties on Jesus. If you've been a Christian for a long time, you need to remind yourself of the truth that no one will bring peace to your soul except the presence of our Savior. So instead of turning to the news or turning to your friends or turning to the projections of statistics, turn your eyes to Jesus. He's in control. He will make all things right. If you are listening to this and you've never followed Jesus, you need to hear the invitation that Jesus is calling you into his peace. Maybe you've never actually thought you you wanted or needed any kind of rescue, and yet this situation that's hitting you is actually making you inclined towards spiritual things and thinking through what, 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 what is the meaning of life? What is What is happening in the world? How can I find a foundation and a bedrock and a stability and a peace in the midst of all of the storms that I'm experiencing? And Jesus comes to you with himself as the answer to all those concerns. See, this Jesus came so that we could find true life, came so that one day in an eternity in the future, we, we can experience real, lasting, eternal, everlasting peace and contentment and joy and happiness. And he won that for us through enduring the suffering and sorrows of this world. See, we as Christians have a God who is not immune or is not uh, unaccustomed to the sorrows of our world. We serve a God who knows very much what it is to have pain. So maybe this season, it's time to trust this Jesus. It's time to turn away from whatever we've been having as the priority of our lives, and it's time to come to the one who came to rescue those of us who know we need saving. See, the moment is here for us to cast our anxiety on Jesus, the army that is facing us, is bringing us to our knees and we're wondering what shall we do. We're not as strong as we thought we were. We're not as healthy as we thought we were. We're not as in control of our lives as we thought we were. We can't control our fate or speak our own futures into existence. We are desperately in need of a hero and Jesus is that hero. Jesus has come and he has overcome sickness and death and he has power over it and so we pray like crazy for him to move. And Jesus has won the victory. He's overcome sin and and our eternal death for those of us who don't turn to him and so we come to him and we say, Lord, would you give me peace in the moment and would you give me a joy everlasting in your presence? We should cast our anxieties on him because we have an empathetic hero we have a hero who knows our needs so it's time to cast our worries on him in the face of this difficult moment we shouldn't be afraid god is close god is at work he will be victorious so fellow warriors don't be afraid but cast your anxieties on Jesus because he cares for you. We're actually gonna do that together now. Pastor Jeff is gonna lead us in a time of prayer so that we can cast all of those anxieties on him. Love you guys, miss you guys. Let's pray.
0: So as Greg said, we're going to spend some time in prayer. Um, some of the stuff we want to pray for is, of course, the anxiety that comes during these uncertain times, as Greg mentioned. We also want to uh, pray for the frontline workers, the people who are involved in caring for folks. They're, they are actually proving themselves to be the heroes around the place. So the doctors and nurses and, and, and police officers and firefighters, all those people who are working so diligently on our behalf. We ultimately want to pray that God takes this away and that He heals everybody from it, and uh, we want to pray that He will achieve His purposes in it. So, look, let's let's bow our heads and let's pray together. Father, we are thankful that even in these times when we are far apart, uh, we can be together through the kind of miracle of video and the access we have through the internet to each other. It's not it's not as good as being face to face and uh, being able to, you know, touch each other's hands or shoulders, or give each other a hug. But Lord, we are thankful that we have at least this. Father, our hearts are breaking for what we see around the world with COVID-19. We ask before anything else, Lord, that you would stop it in its tracks and you would take it away. You have the power to do that, Lord. Uh, you can calm the seas with a, just a word, and you can calm this virus with just a word. And So we, we ask you in the name of Jesus that you would do that. We also trust you with your plans, and we trust that your plan with this will be accomplished. We pray, Lord, that the gospel become known more and more, that people will have an open heart to the gospel because of what uh, this, is, this is forcing them to think about in the world that would kind of shake people out of their complacency and indifference to the gospel of Jesus, and that you would ultimately be glorified, and we would see your church benefit and grow in, in our day because of it. Lord, we want to thank you uh, also for um, this, the gifts that you give us that we don't really recognize around us all the time. This is really causing us to reflect on the stuff that we miss now, but we took for granted for so long. So Lord, help us to look around and be thankful for the very things that we, we can see around us. Uh, We commend ourselves to you. We ask you your blessing on all the other churches around that are doing similar work in their communities. We ask, Father, that you'd help them remain faithful and that we together would serve you as the days go on. We put ourselves in your hands now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, yeah. Thanks so much for joining us again this week. My heart is full because of what we've experienced together. I pray that your heart is full as well. Um, Remember, we have lots of ministries that are doing stuff uh, online. You can access all that stuff at northview.org. We have social media links, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all of it. TikTok, no, not TikTok yet, but maybe soon, huh? A little dance. Anyway, listen, let me, let me just finish things with a little benediction that has been quite famous in the history of the church. It, it goes like this. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace.